Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, hunting camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Craig Hales. Um, wow, how fast two weeks goes. Uh, it just felt like yesterday that I put out the last episode, but uh, yeah, struggling on the time management things, but we're, uh, we're getting there. We're, we're pretty close to being, you know, every two weeks. So I'll step things back up, um, you know, I'll get a few, th- a few other things in order and I'm really looking forward to uh, hopefully bringing them out each week, but uh, I've got a little, long, little ways to go, but we'll get there eventually. So um, thank you for everyone and their patience. Um, just go, I've got to say thank you to, to everyone, their messages and their support um, through Instagram and, and those kind of avenues. Um, it's been, it's really good just you know hearing everyone that they're loving the podcast and um, the topics we, we cover. And, uh, and, and I've got to apologize for all the elk talk, but uh, I can't help myself. But uh, hopefully, it gets you know the the message is getting there that um, you know it is really easy for us to travel abroad and um, you know hit some of those dreams. So that's my main message with talking about those kind of things. Is I just really want um, you know people to be able to you know so put a bit of money aside and um, talk to me and others alike and you know um, get over there and yeah, experience what what America has to offer and uh, the elk and the mule deer and all those kind of things. So um, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for putting up with those conversations and, and I hope you enjoyed them a little bit. So um, today's episode, really fun one. Um, you know, get back to a little bit of basics with this one. Tommy Pirlo, um, he talks about, you know, he's a homegrown bow hunter. Um, he, he, he's just got a, a big passion for it. Um, I think he, he doesn't do much else, but uh, it's a work and bow hunter, I think. And uh you know, you can really see his love for it in the way he talks about it. And, you know, as I said, he gets back to basics, chasing foxes and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, it was a really fun episode. No scripts or anything like that. So we just sort of, you know, chatted as, as it come up in our mind. So, um, yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it and, and I hope for you guys too. So uh, here we go. Uh, today's episode, Tommy Pirlo, uh, talking bow hunting. Enjoy. Right, guys, uh, today we've got uh, the man himself, Tommy Pilo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? I'm real good, mate. Real good, mate. Uh, thanks for putting up with me trying to join this one, mate. It's taken a few weeks to get this one sorted. Yeah, that's right, mate. Life gets in the way. I know how it is. Definitely, but definitely, it's been all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd have it organised, and then I'd, uh, I'd, uh, buddy, change the tune on you, and uh, yeah, and then I'd postpone, and then you know, and then you'd cancel, and then uh, it's all good. I think you're out shearing sheep or something, one day. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was actually. I was out drenching them. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Ah, it's all good, mate. Um, yeah, mate. I've been, st- I've been really excited to get you on, mate. You've uh, obviously been following you on the social media stuff for quite some time now, and you know you're always getting amongst it. So it's uh, it's good to finally have a chat and let everyone know a bit about yourself. So yeah, mate, right. Um, I guess firstly, mate. Yeah, tell us, you know, what you do and how many fingers and toes and that you got and. <laughs> mate um, yeah sort of you know where, where your ground roots were well uh, I'm a coal miner actually out at uh, Mudgee in New South Wales um, probably been in the mining game for too long <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, ten fingers, ten toes. They're all still there, awesome. luckily enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It might have been bow hunting probably for about 10 or 11 years, maybe even longer. Um, sort of weird, I guess, how, how we got into it. Um, me and my mates growing up on the coast, a lot of the boys would be out surfing and carrying on and we were always up in the bush trying to catch yabbies and whatever else, you know, out of the freshwater creeks. And yeah. I, I don't know, mate, we end up buying a, a crappy old compound bow from from a um, trading post, actually, that we all went halves in to share. So it's, yeah, <laughs> I that's don't know. That's, that's sort of how it started. And, you know, it sort of worked out that we end up blowing it up and breaking it and then it sort of went cold for a few years. And yep. Actually got me um, first real compound bow for um, off off me old man actually yeah he bought me a, bought me my first one and shot it for years no peep didn't realise why I was going so crap and you know just had no idea so <laughs> yeah, yep. it's been a massive massive learning curve you know but it's been good I've loved it every minute of it mate the journey's been absolutely awesome that's awesome mate that's awesome were you um how old were you when you picked like when you the old man got you that bow. Ah, must have been my 18th, I suppose. Yep, right. My first first real one for myself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I mean, geez, mate, you've you've done a bit in 10 or 12 years, that's for sure. But um, did you um, did you have sort of a hunting background before that or, you, you know, did your old boy hunt or did you have anyone mate, to sort of follow in the footsteps of? My old off? man, my old man done his hardest when we were growing up, but to get him out even just to go fishing was a task, <laughs> you know, like he's... Because my old man's from England, you know, and yep. when they first came out here, you know, it was a bit of a sad story, really. He was left on his own and this and that, and so he's sort of grown up pretty hard as well. But it's my – I'm first generation. I'm on the start of it, mate, for my kids. So yep. it's it's been awesome, yeah. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. Mate, um, you know, sort of where – how was the – what's the best way to put this, but – how did you sort of go from, you know, that first bow, you know, the old man got you, you know, you obviously shot the hell out of that. What yep. what was the turning point to really get you, get you amongst it? <sighs> to be honest, mate, watching um, Smithy's DVDs, yep. like I can remember watching them things on repeat all day <laughs> and the old man would be like, what are you doing? Just go out and shoot something, <laughs> you know, like no, just no idea but just watching – Watching them DVDs basically got me into it, mate. Like hardcore. Yep. Yeah, I think we're all a bit like that. I mean, I can. Geez, my ones go back to like the boring days of like Brett Verko. Like that's how far back I might go. But um, yeah. And hasn't he done some things for the sport too, mate? Yeah. Hundred percent. You know. You know, that was back in the. I guess you could say the heydays of the you know the mountain hunting and and um, you know yeah then I guess Brad sort of filled those shoes really well and you know he kept it. I mean, he's just got better and better. and you know, well, 100%. And the stuff that them blokes are doing now is second to none. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. It, um, it's funny, you know, like you you watch these DVDs and I've been fortunate enough to, to hunt with Brad a bit and, mate, like the effort that they go into, I don't know how they do it. Like I, I lost If concept. the shot's I, not on, it's not it's on. It's not on. If it's not going to be on camera, there's no shot. Yep, yeah, it's gone. And Yeah, no, I've heard a few stories of Matty Moore and that and really just... 100% credit to them blokes, yep. mate. Absolutely. And, man, we're on the, you know, we're, we're, you know, obviously on the other side of the world and it was still the same story, you know, and it, it's good, you know, that it really shows you why they're there to do it, 
you know it's, yeah. they've got a passion and, and that's what they want to feel it's yeah I'll learn a bit I don't know about yourself but you know I certainly get a fair bit out of it from those 100% companies. mate I was only in here on Saturday a couple of days ago Fletch and Arrows and I had Feral Game 3 on and then Hogs of Oz 3 so yeah. you know and I'm still learning stuff off them yeah. things that I, I might have known but forgotten about or you know they're just such a refresher to me you know if, if I can't be out hunting as much as I want to especially coming to Mudgee and <coughs> pardon me coming to Mudgee and not having all the blocks like I used to back home yeah you know, it's such a – it's a good little escape and it's a good refresher to keep things in mind, you know. The missus will find me out the back probably stalking the dogs or something, you know, going crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, That's cool. Which, um, what sort of – what species do you cut your teeth on, mate? Foxes. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's my bread and butter and still to this day is my favourite thing to hunt. Yeah. I, I can't – uh, and I say to everybody that I go hunting with, like, oh, we're out stalking deer or pigs or whatever. If I see a fox, I am so drawn to that animal. I forget everything about whatever I've been looking at, you know. Yeah. It's such a hard thing for me to try and forget the old fox. Yeah, that's cool. I yeah. still... The old faithful, mate. Yep, definitely. And they uh, they fix up the downtime real quick, don't they, in between the, oh. the morning and arvo sessions, mate. There's nothing than whistling a few creeks or something like that. Love them, mate. It's Absolutely good. love them. And there's no... I, just, I don't know, there's... There's no greater rush watching this that little furry red thing come bounding across, you know. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I just love it. I tell you what, they can, they can take some hunting in certain spots too. I mean, they can get, you know, they call them wily coyotes, but you know, even though they're a fox, but they they get cunning. It's, oh, hundred percent, um, mate. The way they can use their wind, and you know, you got you got the ones that are just dumb as dumb as anything that's come straight into you. But yeah, I tell you what, you get one of them old dogs that. Might have been called before or, or just know something's up. Geez, they take some hunting. Oh, 100%. Wooey actually messaged me today and he said, don't you hate it when you get a fox come in from 100 out and then only just to get to 40 and start circling around into the wind? And I just said, <laughs> I just said that's when I draw, you know, because yeah. you've, you've lost him either way. Either he sees you yeah. and he goes or he's going to smell you. Yeah. I, I just start drawing then and there and, you know, take your risk, take the chance. Do you remember the first fox you called in? I do actually. Yeah. It was actually um, up at Taylor's Arm, little place. Yeah. Just sort of, yeah, oh, well. out of Max, about 40 Ks. Yeah. And I was pretty surprised too because I don't know, a lot of the foxes up that way sort of don't really react to like a rabbit call. I was just using the old button style whistle. Yep. <clears throat> they respond more to a like a raspy sort of whistle. Yeah, more. Only because the rabbit numbers up there aren't real big, you know? Yeah, so would you but, call it more of a bird type sort of call, like a screechy yeah, kind of Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, I, I remember him just come bounding in, and I was just sort of, wasn't even ready for it, you know? I'm sort of not really expecting anything. Only young. <laughs> oh, mate, he must have come in from, I don't know, 100 out, you know, 80 out that I could see. <clears throat> and I'm still whistling as he's at sort of 40 when I shouldn't have been, and he was still coming. and I remember just drawing when he was at 30 and he just hit the skids and took <laughs> off, you know, like just no idea. But such an awesome thing that I'll probably never forget, you know. Yeah. 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 I still remember I, we're at Nundal actually and it was, I, yeah, no, I was, yeah, I had me bow. So I was with Dad and um, very similar thing. But I was on the opposite side of the tree and I still remember, I still remember that thing sitting he must have been 15 yards from the old man. He still hadn't seen him because he was looking the other way. And I'm trying to sort of whisper to get Dad's attention. 
and then that thing just sat there, sat there, and I was too, I was too scared to move. Like I didn't actually know what to do. I probably looking back now, I probably could have shot the thing. Yeah, that sticks to my mind like nothing else. You know, because just the way we were positioned on the tree wasn't probably quite right. So um, it's amazing these kind of things that you know sort of play in your mind these days. And you know that was, geez, that's probably nearly twenty years ago now. So. Yeah, they do, and they do stick with you. Like, and hunting foxes in all different countries been pretty cool. I yeah. think, like, we went out with Spinksy at the start of this year, and, you know, we spent all day, one day, walking creeks, whistling creeks, and, and nothing, and we ended up seeing a fox out in this hot blue bush. You know, it was just yeah. flat as far as the eye could see. There was no big trees. There was nothing. And he was actually out there bouncing around looking for crickets or yeah. grasshoppers, you know. And I said, let's just whistle here. Like, let's just have a go here. Well, you know, it went from getting one fox in, and I was only shooting trad gear. Yeah. And that was my first fox with the trad gear to, you know, getting that first one to come in and was like, oh, my God, here we go. You know, we've got him to, you know, getting four or five coming in to one stand, you know, like, and we were just sort of out and it sort of, you had to stay as low as you could as for as long as you could, you know, and be sort of drawn and sort of just creep up and over. But, you know, out in that flat country, as soon as that slight movement, it's too hard. Yeah. But that's that's where they were. I don't know if they were just out there underneath the, the blue bush or whatever, you know, in yeah. the heat of the day or – but, yeah, or if they had little burrows out there, I don't know. But Yeah, it's you're amazing where they come from. That's yeah. pop out of nowhere. 100%, mate. It was awesome. I find it, um, I find it funny, uh, as you said, like hunting them in a different country, but, like, obviously, you know, typically winter – uh, for anyone that sort of hasn't chased foxes too much, but typically winter they're generally, you know, they've they've paired up mating, and generally calling is out the window. Like yep. half the time they hear a call, they they literally just turn around and go, like they're out yep. of there. And you're like, four months ago you would have come to me feet, you know. And but, and I usually see them more midday, you know, ten yep. o'clock to three o'clock, and they're yep. usually paired up, you know, and it, it, and that's when it's sort of walk and stalk, as you say, calling them's just really not an option uh-huh. I find anyway. But then some of the places I've, I've hunted, um, you know, actually, yeah, sort of back out where you are now, like Mudgee Way, and mate, we, it was Benny McCulloch was with me there one day, and, and same thing, we had them stands, but I still remember it now, I think we shot, uh, I think we got half a dozen or, or, or four or five come in off one stand, I think we got two out of that, then yep. the second stand, I don't know whether they were the same foxes or, or what was going on, we're only probably 200 yards from where, we fir- where the first stand was, yep. I think eight and I, well, I won't say we only got one out of the eight, but, you know, we, they were coming, like, next to us. We didn't even know where they were coming from. And <laughs> this was middle of winter. I yeah. still remember how cold it was. And, yeah, it's really funny. But then we went over the other side of the property and you you seen them, like, you said, as you said, you know, middle of the day, just wandering around. Mate, blow the whistle. And they were just out of there. And you're like, I caught What's him. What's going like, on here? A dozen yesterday. <laughs> but uh, they do your head in sometimes. Yeah, and it's, that's what I mean. When you think you know an animal, you know, they'll do something or they'll change something and you'll think, hang on a minute, I've never seen it do that before. I've, yeah. You know, I was out with John O. Roberts there the other day and I missed a fox at 15 yards and I don't like talking about it, but <laughs> it, <laughs> it was happened. disgusting. Oh, mate, it was disgusting and I hate missing foxes. But um, we actually seen one out on the flat and he was jumping up and down like going crazy. And I thought, oh, I'm going to put a stalk on this fella. We'll leave him out there because we were sort of edge of the timber line. So we sort of snuck in and I will get him while he's sort of bouncing around on this grasshopper or what I thought was a grasshopper. 
Next minute, he pulled up this massive rat. It was huge, mate. If it wasn't, you know, a foot and a half long, this thing was huge. And then he just grabbed it and off he went. And there was just no chance of even pulling him up, squeaking him or calling him or nothing because he was already had his speed. He was out of there. He was done. <laughs> he was done, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that no, was cool. I guess I don't have to tell you, ask you what your favourite game is. That uh, I think Foxes has definitely filled uh, filled that void. Hundred <laughs> percent, mate. I love them. And then, I said there's something so simple. And when I was working in the shop up north and down south, you'd always get people coming in saying, oh, "I want to chase deer. I want to chase deer." Cool, no worries. What what bow do you shoot? Oh, I, I want to buy a bow. Yeah. And it's like, so you, you don't even shoot, but you want to go out and chase deer. Like I just think rabbits and your foxes and goats you know like yep. such a bread and butter species and you learn so much on them to sort of jump drop right into the deep end i think you're missing out on a lot you know whether it be just good times out in the bush chasing foxes or just knowledge you obtain you know so yeah, definitely i, think I always try and swindle them you know like come on you can there's a couple of wild dogs around here, or there's this there's that you know we can we can go and have a look for them you know yeah. no, no i want to i want to shoot deer especially up north like chasing chittle for the first time with the boat, it's like oh, crazy. Yeah. I just think it's crazy. Mate, 20, 20 year, 20 year uh, expertise, buddy. Hunters go up and chase a chittle and do their head in. Uh, ask, my, 100%. ask my old man about him. <laughs> 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 hey, they had his number to poor bugger, but anyway, that was a, that's another story. But um, I think that could be where that could be where a lot of the, I guess, turnover in our sport is, you know, with bow hunting is, yeah, you know, I think maybe yeah, it's all you see someone go out and they shoot a good deer and that and then yeah, you, know, you got a couple of mates that wanna jump on the bad wagon and you know, that person that's been chasing that deer for five years and shooting every weekend and it sort of all sounds so easy. But I think that's where the turnover is in the sport is they get frustrated so quick, very easy yeah. to turn back if they want to stick in a hunt and very easy to turn back to the rifle. Um yeah. it's a, yeah, the bread and butter stuff I still think it's the most fun. Um it's less pressure. And you know, I definitely think it's a, it's certainly a good way to start, especially for the for the younger guys. Hundred percent, mate. And as you say, like they they are missing out on a lot. But you know, everyone, especially like now with social media, and that everybody sees the glory. You know, yeah, it's the big elk or the you know the big samba, this and that. But as you say, that nobody really explains the time that, and effort that goes into it. You know, the yeah. trips away from home, the family fuel cost you know maintenance on cars getting out there just the miles alone on yep. the legs it's yeah 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 it's chasing, hard chasing the grip and grin <laughs> yeah that's it mate 100 percent. definitely so mate um you're switching gears a little bit um talking about gear what um always shot compound you you mentioned there before that you um jack got you with a uh the traditional but uh spinksy but Let's um, be honest, you can't go out and see Spinksy and not shoot <laughs> trad gear like you'd never let you live it down. I know. Hey, uh, <laughs> there's no there's no more passionate bloke with the trad gear than Spinksy. That's 100% right there. Definitely. I'll be catching up with him real soon, so we're going to get to the bottom of that. But uh, he, um, yeah, he's, he's certainly got a passion for it. But can you see yourself, you're obviously shooting compound uh, most of the time, like majority, or you flick between the two or... Majority of the time, as in 99% of the time, is compound. <laughs> yeah, right. I love it, mate. And I just love the technical side of it. And when I think of, I'm understanding it, you know, I'll, I'll message Summers or someone and say, wait, it's doing this. And he'll say, oh, just do this or do that. And I'll be like, wow. You know, like, I would never have thought I'd do that, you know. Yep. 
I don't know. Compounds where my heart lies 100%. I used to own a Huntsman recurve, and still to this day, I sold it, and, and I still regret it. Yeah. Because it was something fun for me to do just to pull out and plug away at targets or, you know, I don't know. It's just that, that traditional scene is pretty good. You can sort of just go for a walk. Your bow's so light. Oh, it's so light. You can just pick it up, spin it on your finger. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? And then you pick up the comp and you're like, holy hell, <laughs> carrying this thing around the bush, you know? What am I doing? Yeah. But uh, I think it'll be something I, I will venture back into. I've already spoke yeah. to Jack and said, keep an eye out for um, a couple of good bows, you know, if they come about. Yeah. But um, I think if I do it, I'll probably go longbow instead of recurve, something yeah, right. just a little bit different. Interesting. Yeah. And it's it's mainly just because of the difference, like that, is it is it a little, little bit more challenging or, or where? Oh, mate, it's 100% challenging, like heaps more challenging. Like when people say, oh, compounds are easy, this and that, <laughs> adrenaline's a funny thing. And yeah. I think it's only been in sort of like the last four years, you know, that I've sort of learned to control that adrenaline and get excited after the shot. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was sort of getting, you know, un- uncontrollably excited before the shot and, you know, blowing a lot of stuff out of the water. But I think with traditional gear, I think that's where I'll probably end up going back again because it is. It's such a hard task and everybody knows that. So, but in saying that too, like I've seen Spinksy do some cracking shots with that bow and, you know, and it's just what what you know. Like if you put a compound in his hand, he probably wouldn't know what to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like I, we were at Samba Camp this year and <clears throat> I think the target was 46 metres or something. Ridiculous. And it was through, it was hanging up. It was one of them little Reinhardt ball targets. Gotcha. Hanging in the tree, you know, shooting through little little tunnels and laneways and that. From a kneeling position back at camp, I just said, see if we can hit that target, Jack. Whack. <laughs> oh, well, I'll give it, give a chance, you know, give yeah. a chance. To, I'd like to give him, win his money back, you know, 100 bucks, you know, double or nothing. Whack. <laughs> I'm just are you kidding me, mate? You know, and all within the yellow circle. Yeah. And I said, come on, three out of five, let's see if you can do it. And he did. He got three in a row. I just, you know. <laughs> I, I was stunned. I honestly didn't know what to say. Or yeah. And then I picked up and said, give me a go. I'll be able to do this. I think I probably shot, you know, eight foot over the target. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing's still going. But uh, That's funny. Yeah. He's, no. um, he's incredible. That's good. I mean, yeah, look, I I love the traditional thing. I, I think it's awesome. It's definitely something I think down the track, um, you know, maybe when time allows. But I find the biggest thing that, um, you know, we we're, were talking about before is, yeah, time management and, you know, none of us got any time to do anything. But, um, you know, I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, you know, I, you know, especially with my gear, you know, I really like to know that I'm going to hit where I want to aim and those kind of things. So, um, yep, yep, 100%. I, know, I know that, you know, the, the traditional stuff is going to take up all your spare time um, as far as your, yep. your archery side of things go. And I don't have it, so that's why I haven't sort of picked it up, but. Yeah, you know, and right. I'm the same, mate. It'd be a, something that I probably venture on down the track. I dare say I'll probably buy one and and just you know around camp, flick a few arrows. And, yeah. But I don't think I'll be hunting with one seriously until yep. I'm probably older, mate. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I've we've used them. I um, you know, the boys have taken them. You know, we, we like we sort of you know, we'd stay out on a, a station for a day or whatever. We wouldn't go back to to main camp sort of thing. So you know, you take the butt and you. It's just your downtime in the middle of the day, mate. You, it's amazing how many arrows, arrows you go through. Yeah, it's pretty good. You yep. can actually get, 
it can actually get pretty good, like after a couple of hours of doing it. And, yeah, until yeah. you shoot next to Spinksy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's yeah, when so you're telling the gun. There's those the guys end. that just got to make it look silly. So. <laughs> yeah, 100%, mate. I've got to pick my friends a bit better, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't pick too hard. I'll have none left. So. <laughs> but, um, mate, um, obviously, yeah, as I said before, you've, you know, you've done a bit of hunting. Um, apart from the big trips, you know, is there, is there a hunt that stands out you know, that, that sticks in their memory bank. It um, can be a small game or big game, but is there something that sticks in the mind at the moment? There's probably a few. Um, one that I'm actually looking at the head on me wall now, it was actually a tutel hunt back home, and it actually eventuated. I sat off this tutel for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, at about 10 metres, 15 metres, and... He was in full velvet and still to this day is the closest I've been to a chittle. Yep. And I never never dropped the hammer, so to speak, on him. But to only go out uh, a couple of months later with a good mate of mine back home, he's a rifle hunter. And for him, watch to watch him shoot that stag was awesome. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know, like it's not even something that I've I've shot, you know. But to go out and help him with the carry out and at the at the end, he turned around and he said, "Here you go. I want you to have that our hunt." You know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. That was just a pretty good moment in my eyes. You know, yeah, yeah. But um, that was just something that really stood out to me. And I don't know. You sort of, I don't know. That's that's when you know you got a good mate. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's probably a lot of it. Kind of got a bit of a story with the animal as well, and I know that, um, you know, especially through a few mates and that, you know, when you've got. A particular animal you've sort of spotted before, or you've got some kind of story with them. Um, it, 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 I don't know. It kind of seems a little bit different just than just going out willy nilly and um, yeah, you know, sort of first thing you can see. Yeah, but probably by far the biggest one for me would have been my buff, especially yeah. my first buff. Just being in that country and I don't know that that country sort of go back in time well and truly. Um, yeah, doing big days, hot humid temperature yeah you know doing it hard thinking there's going to be water there's no water and i don't know probably, probably my buffalo would stand out the most to me just because it was such a hard hard one thing you know yeah tell us a bit about that hunt man like um you know rough sort of how long ago was it and you know where were you and because uh, you know there'll be a few people listening that sort of don't know too much about our, our buff hunting but I guess they'll be definitely intrigued and it's something that I haven't done yet I've, I've done the cape and that but um, quite a few times but well, I haven't done the buff yet tell yep. us a little bit about that hunt well it was all by luck I suppose because I was working in the bow shop in Townsville and I was actually renting Owen's house off him Owen Stronnell's house off oh, yeah. him yep. and you know we sort of struck up a friendship I guess he was sort of more worried I was going to trash the joint and being nice because he had to. <laughs> um, and, yeah, mate, he invited me out on a hunt and um, it was meant to be me, Green Tree, him and Graham Cahill. Yep, yep. And um, that was in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. Yes, yeah, sweet. We, uh, yeah, Alan picked me up from uh, Darwin, which is only sort of about nine hours away for him, the poor bugger. Actually, no, he drove me there, sorry. He drove me there, drove me there and dropped me off on the way home. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we end up going out for a look 
<clears throat> one morning we come across a heap of buffalo, but nothing sort of nothing shootable, you know. And I, I sort of wasn't going to be too picky because I wasn't there for too long. Um, I just sort of wanted to tick the box to start with, you know, and then, gotcha. you know, just get that species on the ground and then whatever happens after that, I didn't care. It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, we ended up coming across a little mob of buffalo and there wasn't a, there was a half handy bull in there and um, wasn't much water around this time of year where there should have been. It was a very dry year and um, we end up, these buffalo were sort of walking off off this little bit of water that was left. So we sort of went wide to get the wind right and end up just coming across this buffalo laying out in the middle of a, a big open flood, floodplain, like big. I was just thinking, and no one's going to me, go and shoot him, go and shoot him, he's a good bass. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what's he doing? Oh, he's laying like he's dead, you know, and still yeah, to this yeah. day he will text me and say, remember that dead buffalo you shot? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've sort of snuck into 20 yards and, this thing's just lifeless. And I thought, he's set me up big time. <laughs> I'm going to shoot this thing and it's just going to go, <laughs> you know, it's going to expire all air. I gotcha. There's a wheelie wagtail bouncing around on it, mate. And I was thinking, I'm getting set up. But I seen an ear flicker and I just remember looking back at him just going, it's alive. It's alive, you know. And he's like, I know. <laughs> Off you go, you know. It was sort of weird. It was a, it was a tough shot angle because the way the wind was blowing, it was a, pretty pretty steep cordon way shot yeah so it's sort of gone in right in front of the hip and behind the rib and just sort of entered the cavity beautifully really but it was sort of right on the edge right on the edge of where the wind would have busted me but it only sort of ran 30 and went down and i just yeah i just remember telling him just keep clicking that camera mate just yeah this would be something i'll never forget capture it all 100 percent, mate then there's such a such a big, tough animal. When you sort of get them on the ground, you realise how big their necks are and yeah. just how heavy they are. You know, like yeah, they're incredible. As a matter of interest, what uh, what setup? Because I know this is um, especially with Owen, because you know he's sort of proven either end of the scale, so to speak. Um, yep. The man certainly knows his way around a buffalo. Um, yeah. Just a matter of interest, what sort of setup did you use? Yep. So trip? I was shooting a shooting a uh, 70 pound compound um 550 grain arrow yeah um and i'm only got a midget drawer it's sort of 27 and a half 28 inch draw hey it's not midget it's hey, a good draw <laughs> well that's what good i get draw. told mate. that's what i get told i thought it was the standard but apparently not <clears throat> um that was and I, I had no dramas with um breaking bone and and full pano. Yep. I never got a complete pass through. Yeah. But I was buried to the Fletchers every time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's one of them things. Owen's biggest thing is he will say, because Buffalo, they've just got that um, that bullshit factor about them where you can hit them perfect and they'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I think a lot of animals have got that to be honest with you. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for him is if you're shooting a sort of seven eight hundred grain arrow if it gives you that opportunity for that second shot always yeah. take it yeah but if you're shooting a big heavy arrow you've got to really be spot on and if adrenaline sort of taken over yeah. there's no you've, you've got to be spot on otherwise you're going to miss by an inch you know or yeah, by a mile sure. you're going to miss heaps you know yeah gotcha so at least with that bit more speed and that you know it's i, I consider 500 it, it 
to me, it's probably that 470, 500 is that ultimate arrow weight for me. Yep. Um, I just sort of try and find that best balance for myself. Like it's not, to me, it's not about shooting speed and it's not about shooting logs. I, I want that perfect balance. Yeah. And I think everybody's different. Yeah. But I think that's generally what he was sort of trying to get behind the idea, you know, because I think he's actually shot him with a 386 grain arrow or something. Yeah. Yeah. I and, and he said, I, I do not recommend you doing it, but I'm just saying that you can do it this way. You know, yeah, like there's right. no. That right or wrong. That's right. Yeah. But. He doesn't recommend it, and nor would I. I. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, somewhere around that sort of 500 and up yep. would be pretty good. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty good <coughs> sort of, yeah, all-round setup too. You can you, know, you can take it. Doesn't matter really where what you're going to hunt. You can sort of you know in that in that yep. sort of range you can you can chase anything. I think you you mentioned sort of that 470 500. I actually shoot very very similar as well. It's probably got a lot to do with tuning and draw length as well. Yeah. Because um, I know that once I go sort of mid 500s, um, I struggle with tuning a lot more. Yeah. And then once I go too light, then, you know, obviously I know, I think, what are you, you're shooting Bowtech at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm on the expedition, so they're both sort of a little bit more, yeah, I guess you could say a speedy cam. Um, yep. And then, yeah, when I stepped to the expedition, I, I had to start running 250s and um, spine arrows, and it, it it was perfect. They're not any really heavier. I just, yeah, I just got a stiffer spine, so to speak. But yeah. I just found the tunability, you know, when you, as you said, when you get that happy medium, what you feel comfortable with. And I think for me, that kind of lines up with tunability as well. Yeah, I agree too. And like a stiffer, for me, a stiffer arrow, I'll always over spine if I can. But see, I cut my arrows to 27 inch yep. carbon to carbon, you know. So exactly same. even though they're a 300 spine arrow, they're still stiff. They're very stiff. They're cut short. They're stiff. Yep. So, and that helps a lot with penetration, mate. You know, it doesn't sort of, doesn't have that paradox going into the animal. It's sort of, it's more rigid, you know. You're going to, it's not, that energy's not getting soaked up as it enters the yeah. enters the animal. Yeah, the arrow's recovering a lot quicker. Um, out of 100%. Bars, sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it all plays a factor. And, and it, it's kind of cool, that, and hence why I asked that question, you know, for, for guys that, um, I know on the forum and that that question gets asked a lot. You know, what weight arrow and what should I do for this species? What should have that species? I don't really think that has to be a, a change up. To be honest with you, um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, in saying that, I'm I'm playing around a little bit at the moment. I obviously I've got that ibex hunt coming up in a couple of months, and I'm purely just going down. Um, I've been told um, by my guide over there and a few guys that have done the hunt that wind wind's a big issue. Um, yep. and like my normal setup is you know 185 two blade up the front um, yep. you know four inch veins you know just obviously all about sort of you know getting good arrow flight and, and those kind of things but I'm sort of changing this one I'm actually going to run a, a mechanical up the front and um, yep. just small small veins so I'm more or less just shooting a field point um, until it opens up obviously yep. and um, and just you know two and a half, three inch veins and just, just low profile veins. So just trying to get around the wind factor because, um, you know, there yeah, could potentially be a little bit more distance in the in the shots as well than probably what I'm normally taking back home here. So you do play around. I'm not saying that people don't play around with a different species, but I think for a lot of our game here in Australia, I think you can more or less have one set up and be pretty confident around the, you know, around the paddock. 100% mate. And, I'm sort of in the in the playing phase at the moment. Like so, the before the last two animals I shot only just the other day, the last six I shot 
no blood, absolutely no blood. And I think in Australia, our culture is a heavy arrow with a two-blade broadhead. And that's all I've shot my whole life. This yeah. is this experiment I'm doing at the moment now is involving three-blade heads. Yeah. Um, I've even got four-blade heads here, you know, and I, it got to the point where I was just chasing blood and I think I was just in a bit of a lull. Will I go back to two blades? There's a fair chance I will, yeah, 100%. Sure. To me, they're they're proven. They do that. You do get awesome penetrations. They do leave good blood. I was just unlucky, and it sort of put the wind up me a bit. Where I sort of said, "Right, I need to try something here just to get my confidence back," you know. And that's that's sort of where I'm at now. I'm just sort of experimenting and trying different things, and I've, I've upped my arrow weight up a little bit because um, previously I was shooting um, 450 just because I changed the head. Because I was shooting a 175, yeah, um, or a 180, and sort of going back to a, a 125 um, three blade, you know, I sort of it just wasn't for me. Arrow weight was sort of coming in like that 440 or 450 or whatever it was, and yep. it was sort of just a, I don't know, a bit too loud. The bow was a bit too loud, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it just wasn't for me. So I, I like that heavier side of 400, and um, I'm back there now with. Um, different inserts and whatever else in my arrows and but as i said it's just it's just a practice practicing now get out and hit the butt and see what the arrow is actually going to be doing and yeah. and then eventually put them onto critters so okay let's you know. honest, we love fiddling <laughs> we oh 100 mate. that's why we shoot compounds i think <laughs> definitely um what uh what shafts do you run now um i was shooting the velocities uh from gold tip oh yeah um but i've just sort of gone up to the kinetic so, yeah, yep. the chaos, and mate, I can't fold them one bit at the moment. So, Sweet. yeah, I'm yeah, loving them actually. They're pretty popular, mate. There's, uh, there's plenty of boys running around with them. 100%. You know, and they probably are on the higher side of things, but um, oh, I guess at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. And there's, thank you, there's hundreds of arrows out there that will do the job, and hundreds of broaders out there that will do the job. But, you know, gear's always going to be a funny thing. There's always going to be somebody to tell you that it's wrong, or, and that's, the best thing about this industry, I, I, I say, is everybody's opinion isn't wrong. It's that's your opinion, and for sure. you know, and what works for me might not work for you. It's it's a hundred percent. Whatever works for you is is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. If you can put that arrow where it needs to be and do the job quickly, well, you can't say that it's wrong. Yeah, definitely. You know, so. That's it. I mean, you mentioned a word there before, which, you know, if, for anybody that listened to the podcast I did um, with Brian Barney at Eastman's Elevated, it was um, all about confidence. And, yep. you know, coming back from that trip and that I did back in September, you know, it's, as I said, I, you know, I, I worked on a fair bit and a lot of it's got to do with confidence. And I'm trying 100%. to take trying to take more, not that I didn't have any, but, you know, trying to take more into the next trip, you know, especially on a fitness side of things and then uh, the shooting kind of things, I'm not putting too much onto it because to be completely honest with you, we have no idea, you know, I'll either shoot one at five yards or it'll be 65 yards. Like you really don't yep. know, just kind of got to be prepared for the lot. And at the end of the day, like if the if, if it feels right and the shot's on, like that's, it. that's, that's down to you. That's down to you to make that decision. It's, you know, and people say, oh, you can't shoot past 40 in the bush and whatever. And, you know, I know very well I can. I'm, I'm a confident shooter. Yep. Doesn't mean I do it all the time. That's you right. know, 
But if, if the shot's on, the shot's on for me. And I know my ability and I know my gear set up. So, as I said, it, it comes down to the individual shooter. There's no right, there's no wrong. Definitely. But, you know, in definitely inside 30s where it's at. <laughs> oh, mate. And, and look, that's that's why we shoot a bow too, you know, is, is we want to be in close. And, you know, you are talking earlier about, you know, watching the foxes and things they do and that. And that's what's so good is is the more you push yourself to read the animal and those kind of things, you'll find yourself getting closer, even if you're not taking shots. You know, just getting in, if you if you see some stuff that, you, know, you might have a group of pigs that you don't really want to take one out of it, you know, for it might be the right property that you don't have to go, you know, there's not a lot of them. You know, have a play around with them, get, you know, stalk on them and those kind of things. It's amazing. Come back to that same word again. Once you've got the confidence in all the different aspects, uh, things just start coming into play. 100%, mate. And as I said, it's, it's inside that 30, I think, where you learn the most, where you can really watch that animal. Oh, yeah. I think your senses are definitely a lot more in tune and you pick up on a lot more, you know. Yep. It could be just enough for an ear flicker or he puts his head up a certain way and you think, well, it's game over. You know, or you just sort of, you can pick him. You can learn to pick him at the end. He's going to he's gonna settle. He'll be right. Or he's going to do the double pump. You know, yep. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, that's where you pick up a lot of your information, I think. Definitely. It's funny you, you call that 30 yards and yeah, you could probably slide that out to 40 as far as the animal awareness as well. I reckon yep. they know you're there. Um, under that 40, you'll hear, like you mentioned, chittle. I reckon the chittle, once you get under that 40, like the game changes. Hundred um, percent. And then I put a stalk on one up um, back home, and um, I was with my mate Blackie. We were out having a shot, and we come across this little bachelor mob, you know. And I said, "Oh, look, there they are! There they are!" Righto, six steps. That's all I took, mate. <laughs> he wasn't even looking. He was facing the other way, and he just turned his head back towards me. Yeah. And nice. I was like, "All oh, right, I'll stand here," you know. And that was about you know that forty odd. Yeah. And that was it. Six steps is all I got, and. Then the head come over the shoulder, the whole body followed him, meow, off he went. Oh, yeah. You know, and from a deer that wasn't even looking at me and the wind was constantly in my face. Yeah. Yeah, definitely I crazy. I listened to a podcast um, and I can't even tell you which one it was on. It was quite a while ago, but uh, it was Randy Ulmer and anyone that doesn't know him over in the States, <laughs> yeah, well, you, yeah, you haven't been, you, haven't been you're not a baller there, but, yeah. <laughs> but man you know he's a, he's a weapon on mule deer he just shoots giants every year and he doesn't stalk into any closer than 40 yards he says you know that that yeah 40 and out and he doesn't shoot over 60 either um he says says yep. that 40 to 50 is his distance he said he can get away with that a little bit more um whether it's got something to do with you know noise of the bow and all that kind of stuff but for a man that's you know, shot as much as he has to say that, oh man, there's got to be something in it for sure. Yeah, 100%. As you said, it could be just that, you know, that reaction to the bow. Yeah. You just you just don't know at that distance. And if he's comfortable at doing it, you can't say that he's wrong. As I said, the man shoots so so many. Yeah. You know, but as I said, it, it always comes down to the individual hunter. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I don't like jumping on the bandwagon and bloke saying, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Like, it's like when um, Jim Burma shot that kudu at 100 yards. Yeah. You know, and it's like oh, so many people jumped on saying it's it's wrong, it's 100 yards, anything can happen in the time of the arrow, and it, and it can. Yeah, definitely. But that you can't say that that wasn't a good ethical shot. Yeah, he smoked it. It, <laughs> it went 30, 30 yards, you know, and piled over. Yeah. Would I recommend doing it? 100% no. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Like, if you're confident and the conditions are right, I don't know. But I think the long-range thing sort of, in my opinion, gets a little bit out of control. Bloke shooting. I was talking to Grant Hughes, and he was saying, bloke, he doesn't... There's blokes that don't shoot mule deer, you know, unless they're over 100. And it's like, what are you... I don't know. It's not a yeah. big deer, so to speak. It's not a big kill zone. I don't know. It's, it's not for me. As I said, 30, 40, it's where it's at for me, but... It doesn't mean I haven't taken shots longer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, and that's yep. what's cool about a convert, you know, a conversation with open minds is, yeah, there isn't any right or wrong. You know, it's it might not be your cup of tea, but yeah, we're all here for this under the same banner. You know, we're all bowing. Yep. So, you know, you can slap him up the back of the chop and say, "Get close to you, lazy bugger." But um, <laughs> and know, that's true. And things. this is why I think I like the industry so much is that it's so opinionated, and. If somebody can say something and I'm trying to put my point of view across and the next minute I think I take a step back and think, oh, hang on, you know, what he's saying is actually not right. Yeah. Uh, it's not wrong. You know, that's that's good. I've learned something, you know, and you can take on a lot of information from a lot of different hunters with a lot of different experiences. That's one thing I like about the bow hunting industry and, I don't know, it seems a lot of people get on, you know, even though they might shit talk or whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, I dare say, ninety percent of them would still have a beer with you after it. Definitely. You know? So it's pretty good, pretty good sport. Oh, mate, it's awesome. I mean, you know, yeah. we only have to think about that. You know, us chatting tonight, and you know, um, you know, different guests and that we've had on, and then everything happens to be, you know, every other night, so to speak. But you're forever talking <laughs> to people, and you know, trying to help someone out, and um, yep. you know, I've been helping guys out with you know the application stuff overseas and that, and. I just I love it, you know. Just being able to find someone that, you know, has got something out of something you've said, and 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 kind of wants to follow your footsteps. Like, I reckon 100%. that's what it's all about. Hundred percent, mate. Like my missus is always up and me. What are you doing on your phone? Get off your phone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm like, that one. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel bad if somebody texts me and I get it all the time. What arrow weights this? What's that? What's this? Oh, I'm thinking about buying this. You know, what's your experience with this? I wanna always. Talk. I don't want to be that person that you just don't know who people look up to. And I'm not trying to big note myself or nothing, but you just don't know. I remember sending a few messages out when I was a young fella, you know, and yeah. thinking, you know, am I going to get ever going to get a reply or am I, you know, I just don't want to be that person. I want to try and help as many people as I can in the sport. Oh, yeah, I think it's great. No, that's awesome. I mean, the more it grows, the more it helps us all. You know, it's, 100%, uh, mate. You know there's, some, there's some names out there that are putting it in a really good light you know, whether you like it or not, you know, um, when it, as big as it's getting the hunting scene on social media, it, it's got to be put forward well. And Yeah, 100%, mate. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things, you know, if someone can do it in a, in a, in a good way, we've got to support them, you know, that, there's, there's just no doubt about it. Well, people always say hunting will never be, here, never be as big here as what it is in the States. No. Well, and it's sort of like, well, why? Why not? Why, why can't it be, you know? Like, I think Australia's got a lot to offer um, in, the, in the way of hunting. But I think it's sort of that attitude that it won't ever get that big, you know? Mm. And it's it's definitely not in our culture like it is in the States. Yeah, that's that's and that's pretty well what it comes down to, really. Yeah, 100%. But there's nothing, us, nothing stopping us from changing that culture and putting it in a positive light and, you know, just continually to to um, put it forward and, and see how it goes, you know? Definitely, definitely. It's, I don't know. We've got we to try. <laughs> that's all we can do. That's all we can do. That's I mean, it, I think, mate, you know? I think that's what it, um, you know, 
the the competition side of things you know it's not for everybody but i think that's what's you know 3d and especially 3d AAA and those kind of things that's what they've done really well because you know you obviously got a foam target out there and it looks like yep. an animal and you know i've been involved in the club locally here and things like that and you know people it starts they start asking questions and yeah 100 you know we're only shooting rubber at that time and they're like oh you know do you really shoot those kind of animals like yeah we do you know or well, why do you do that and obviously you can get into the conversation if they're willing to listen um yep. if they're not don't worry about it you know it's fine yeah so. that's it it's and as you said everybody's got their opinion if it's not for them you don't have to try and push it on them if you start pushing it on them and trying to force them well they're always going to get their back up and say nah this is crap I don't want nothing to do with it but if you sort of let them stew on it for a little bit they just might turn back around you just yeah. don't know yeah for sure 100% mate I, I'm actually looking at getting into the 3D side next year so good I've yes. been pick, picking the brains of a few lads so <laughs> mate that's when you will really really see your um, your shootability like take another step like oh, yeah, I grew mate, up doing yep. 3D so I was, I was very fortunate uh, my man still does a lot of it, so um, probably more so than hunting now. But yeah, the 3Ds that that's testing you. <laughs> that's that gets you shooting well, and yep. it uh, it's fun. They're another great guy, bunch, uh, men and women. You know the kids. It's it's a good family affair as well. And mate, there's still still places that I haven't been back to, but I've been because of shooting 3D. You know places where they've held the, the comps and stuff. It's buddy, but it was yep. great, especially when we growing up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm keen to get involved in it and, and and get amongst it. I think it's going to be pretty good. As I said, it's just a, a whole different side for me, that sort of club scene. I've always been, oh, I'm not going to the club, you know. Yep. But I think the more the sport grows on me and the more I want to get involved and the more I want to put back. So 3D yeah. is just another another outlet for me. And sure is. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. That's cool. Well, mate, um, I can't help but ask myself, mate, but I'll ask yourself, um, you won a pretty awesome trip with Arrowhead magazine, mate. You, um, I've seen you've swapped the photos on on Instagram, and I, I can't say that I'm sick of them. They're bloody awesome, mate. But <laughs> got to tell us about that hunt, mate. There's a heap there to put up. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to come, mate. Um, how I think the go- first day I took 400 and something. Holy dooly! How did you go about day, that, mate? You um. That was a was that a story competition or, or what happened there? To be honest with you, I had no idea. No, it was right. like when I put the story in of my buffalo hunt. Actually, it was the buffalo hunt that actually got me the the trip. I didn't even know about the competition, so I thought, oh yeah, sweet, I've, I've won a shirt, awesome, awesome tusky, <laughs> you know, and awesome. Thanks for coming, beautiful. And that's sort of as far as I went. I didn't even think I was, you know, not that I'm writing stories to get gear, but. I'm just writing stories I said to give back and yep. mate, I remember I hadn't even subscribed, you know, at this stage. I'm definitely am now. I'll give them as much support as I can now. But I went down to the news agents and bought the magazine. And as I said, like I always flick through the pages first. I want to see what animals are hit the deck and actually waiting for the missus to get back from doing a food shop and yeah, I was just flicking Flicking through the pages and uh, I see my name in red. What the <laughs> hell is this? And when I read it, mate, I I was speechless. I I'm not really one to sort of lose words, especially when I've had a few. But um, <laughs> anybody that was at the Deer Expo a couple of years ago would know that. But um, it was I, I couldn't believe it, mate. I was so lost for words and I couldn't thank Doug enough. I actually 
sent him a message saying, if you were here, I'd give you a kiss. I think I wrote. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Like, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, man, I, I couldn't believe it. I was so wrapped. And Africa's always something that any bow hunter always dreams about, you know. doesn't matter if it's the big old warthogs or Gemsbuck or whatever. Like, it's, it's always a hunt that somebody along the lines is dreaming about. And I, I honestly think it's something that everybody, whether young or old, has to experience. And um, I was always going to go there when I was a bit older. I never sort of really planned on going now. Yeah. Um, do not regret it one bit. It was such a such an awesome hunt. And the people that, that we went through, um, Mon Party, they were absolutely awesome. I think we'd been up for... 27 hours or something when they picked us up and you know got us home made us food put us to bed and from then on in like i still talk to them now they're renovating the house and like seriously he said to me as long as he said i don't care if we don't shoot nothing he said if uh you come here as guides uh, come here as clients and we leave here as friends that's all i can ask for yeah and that's seriously what's happened mate unbelievable people that's really cool that makes, I mean, you just said it, but, you know, that, that makes a trip in itself. Um, you know, just having good people. Um, did you go over, was it yourself and your partner or? Yeah, so me and my wife, Karina, and my mum and uh, stepdad went over. Awesome. And um, Bob, my stepdad, it's been a lifelong dream. He's pretty old, 70-odd, something, nearly, you know. And um, he's always wanted to go to Africa. Always, ever since, you know, young fella. And for him to get over there and and to kick it with the young fellas, and I can tell you what, he, he kept up drinking too. But uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, he loved it, mate. Absolutely loved it. He's actually talking about going back oh, next that's year. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. And was it, um, you can break it down a bit too, but was it what, was the hunting what you expected? Was it more, was it less? You know, how did you sort of, how was the build up to it? Um, it was sort of different because as, well, majority of hunters know that South Africa is generally fenced. Yeah. You know, 90% of the hunting over there is, is fenced. So I knew going into it that that's probably what I'm going to be doing. I knew that I'd be hunting from a blind, um, 90% of the times. But as I said, I had the option to, to do what I wanted to do. You know, it was, he basically said, it's your trip. You hunt how you want to hunt. And, and um, I can tell you, just because it's fenced and just because it's, you know, you think them animals are any less than what they are, you've got another thing coming. It they are mean, extremely switched on. Yeah, it no. doesn't mean anything. You know, I think we are on three or 4,000 hectare or whatever it was, you know, so yep. it's, and it was just one big boundary fence and I think, you know, as small as warthogs would come and go, you know. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was something I'll never forget, mate. And hunting out of a blind for me, I was always like, oh, this is going to be boring, you know. Yeah. But these new challenges and these new things that you don't expect. So how do you combat the boredness, you know, when you're hunting from a blind? That was a, a big thing for me. I can't just get out and go for a walk, you know. And so I'd, I'd take a few photos and this and that. And <clears throat> and then it's the challenge of, righto, so there's animals coming in. And now I've got to actually wait. And you might have to wait there for an hour and not even get the shot and the animal walks off. Like, yeah. 
it's 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 not an easy thing to hunt from a blind. So when you sort of look at them yanks and that doing it from tree stands and this and that, it's not a sort of look. They just went and put a tree up in the middle of nowhere, you know. They know exactly what's going on. They know yeah. roots animals are taking, bedding areas. They know where they're going to be coming from. It's it's a lot of research, actually. But um, probably a little bit different in, in Africa. As I said, hunting over water, you know, they're going to have to come and drink. But just depends on what comes in, you know. Yep. So, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, mate. That's I really awesome. did. Yeah, yeah. mate. It's, it's certainly on my cards. I've had it. As you said, I think, you know, most people that have, you know, grown up bow hunting or got into it, you know, the, the plains game and that's always, yeah, I think it just goes with with bow hunting. I think it just sort of links in. Um, you know, Africa's always spoken about, talking about 3D, you know, there's plenty of African targets and stuff like that. Yep. So yep. It, it just goes, you know, hand in hand, I think. But um, how, how long were you over there for? You got, how or how many days hunting was it? Um, so the trip was seven days hunting. I think we spent uh, nine days total in country. Cool. Um, sort of like a day travel either side. Um, is it enough? Probably not. <laughs> you want to spend as much time as you can. But, um, yeah, I think we were there for about a total of seven or eight days or something. And actually one of them days I sort of just said, like, let's go and have a look around. I'm, I've seen the property heaps, you know. like Yeah, yeah let's go to the shops and let's go and have a look around. So I sort of did a day with the family as well. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Oh, that's awesome, mate. No, it's, um, I said, watching these, watching the photos and they come through and geez, you know, the animals are beautiful as well. Like there's just, I think every shot you've taken is it's, it, it's, you know, it's real picture. It's not just a, a photo of a, of an animal, so to speak, but the, you know, there's a story to tell behind each one. The animals, so deceiving. This is something that I um, couldn't get over. They are so deceiving in size, yeah, especially right. when you're just looking at them. Yeah. Like um, short of water buck, it took three blokes to roll it over. Really? Like they're they're bigger than a sandbar, like weighing sort of 350 kilos. You know, like they there are big, a big animal. I, I honestly, and when you look at them, even when you look at them in the paddock, just like, aren't they cute? You know, yeah. they're small. You know. But they are they are huge, mate. Yeah, right. They are huge. So many so many animals over there just took my breath away. Waterbuck being one, I went there with no intention to shoot one, and and um, had to do I it. up had to do it. I seen one coming in. I ended up stuffing the shot up. I don't. know, It was like the first day or so, and where we were sort of the blind that we were in was an old water tank, and it was sort of yeah, it was it was a. It was a rubbish blind, basically. Couldn't stand up in it. You know, I had to sort of squat and yep. sitting on my guide's lap. And Anyway, I ended up shooting him a bit far forward. But I, I was devastated, mate. I went that whole night, no sleep. Just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Stuffed me first animal up in Africa. Yep. First shot, you know. Couldn't <laughs> believe it. And I kept telling myself, that's hunting. That's hunting, you know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but anyway, I had the chance to get him and I ended up got him, getting him at the next day on, on last light, I actually shot him with a rifle. It was okay. sort of, yeah. we, we spent all next day searching for him and, and uh, couldn't get him. And as, as you know, as most blokes know over there, if you draw blood, you, you pay for him. So yeah, for essentially sure. he was, he was paid for, you know? Yeah. And, um, oh, do I regret it? No, not at all. It comes down to ethics too, you know, like I didn't want that animal out there limping around all the day. Had five minutes, 10 minutes left of light. Yeah. There's no way for a possible stalk. It was the right thing to do. Yeah, you know? definitely put the smack on him, mate. Hundred percent. 
Ah, it's a. I mean, you're sitting here telling an awesome story now, and you know that it doesn't take anything away from it. I think that's a ripping one. So. Yeah, like, and I was sort of, I was more disappointed in myself at the time. Yeah, for I was sure. like, you know, and as you are, as you are, when when people make bad shots or whatever, it's it's something that shouldn't happen. It does happen. Yeah. But um, you know, that's why we practice, and you know, that's why we strive to be a better shot. I guess. Yeah. How many um, how many different spaces did you take? I only took four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I took four. I could have took. Mate, if I wasn't being picky, and if, if I had me time over again, I don't know if I would have been so picky. Yeah. But I wanted to shoot mature animals. That's That was where my head was at. I didn't want to sort of just go and shoot anything just to sort of, you know, say, here, I've, I've shot yeah. this, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Um, the main thing I wanted to shoot was a warthog. Well, I wanted to shoot a, a gamsbuck. But when I sort of got over and watched a few warthog kicking about, I never had a chance at one until – a sow came in and I was more than willing to shoot the sow. She was a cracker. Yeah. Didn't matter, mate. I was sow. I'll, I'll shoot her. It's and happening. my guy was like, yeah, it was happening. And my guy was like, no, 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 hold off, hold off. There's a good eland here, good eland. So I'm like, oh, right. And then this thing just came in and was like five metres laid down right outside the blind. And I'm like <laughs> tapping him on the shoulder going, come on, mate. Like this doesn't get any better. Well, it did. <laughs> and then a a big fella, big boar come in, big big war dog come in and yeah, mate, he is, I couldn't actually believe how big these things are too. Yeah. He, oh mate, he was a cracker. I think he had eight and a half inches or nine inches or something hanging out the jaw, oh, nice. you know, and, and still pull another three to four and every bit of a hundred kilos when he was on the scales, like just a big, thick, yeah, I was, I was stoked, mate, absolutely stoked. <laughs> that's unreal that's unreal they uh, they don't get any prettier though and mate i tell you what we had actually Kate Buffalo in the um, in the blind there with us at one point and this war dog just came in and he jumped up in the trough and he just sort of looked at this buff and give him a bit what for and then turned around and started flicking a bit of feed everywhere and just jumped out like he just came in and ruled the roost <laughs> just owned the like, show just own the show and I was like look at you <laughs> yeah. yeah they're honestly full of character and just I don't know the way they run about and play and you'll just see them just get up and take off and they'll just do circles and then come back to what they were doing and it's like why did you do that random kids yeah just yeah they're, they're honestly awesome just to watch yeah, that's cool that's really cool well um obviously you know yeah give give our arrowhead and dog a, a shout out um they're running, I think they're running those comps again, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they've actually got two. So I think they've actually got uh, Mom Party on board again, and I think, is it, um, it's a, it's a Arrow something Safari, I think. Yeah, right. Sounds, yep. sounds bad, but, but I don't know, but. Oh, that's right. Um, I mean, anyone that's, um, yeah, check them out. If you've got a bloody story, put them in. That's. Um, 100%. It happens. Tommy, 100%. Tommy can speak for it. You know, and that's that's only sort of the major prizes. Like, I know they're doing bow giveaways. They're doing local hunts. Um, they've actually got a New Zealand hunt as well. Yeah. I'm actually reading it now. I've got it here in front of me. Cayuga's got a good hunt going with them. Awesome. Chance to win a pair of Swarovskis. Mate, yeah, Iron and Bades. African Arrow Safaris is the one. Oh, yeah. There you go. Awesome, man. Like, what? <laughs> you, you just don't get that chance with yeah. anything else. You know, I think that's absolutely awesome. 
No, also, no, yeah, look, anyone that's listening, I think, uh, yeah, get into that. That's, you know, it's bloody good. And I'll, um, I'll have some more info um, on that. I'll, you know, we'll be talking to Doug soon. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tommy's living proof that you do win. And, um, I mean, you can f- fill dreams of that stuff, that's for sure. 100%, mate, 100%. I think he's doing a real good thing, and especially for the um, the Australian bow hunting scene. And if you've ever met him, he's such a humble bloke. I... I thanked him so many times and I actually got a picture drawn up for him and of a of a buffalo and that he shot when he was a young fella and mate just the the words that man spoke to me after that he couldn't have been more thankful and I'm like no that that's doesn't how it works that's not how it works mate I'm the one that's saying thanks to you yeah. you've done this for me you know yeah that sounds that's awesome no, he's, a, yeah. he's a good dude he's a good 100% dude. well mate um I oh, know you've got to get up early in the morning, mate. You've got to get to bed. So I can't, uh, can't thank you enough for jumping on, mate. Um, I know it's, uh, it gets everyone out of their comfort zone putting uh, yeah, on the mic. definitely, mate. But, mate. Um, definitely. Done well today. And, mate, thanks for sharing us your story. And, and um, there's no doubt we'll be seeing plenty of more of your stuff on social media in the works. Yeah, mate. I'm not going anywhere <laughs> too quick. So I'm definitely here for the long haul. But, yeah, thanks for having me on. And I've had a ball, mate. Absolutely. Awesome, mate. Now it was bloody great to finally catch up and um, mate there's no doubt we'll, we'll be doing it again one day yep 100% sounds good to me mate thanks heaps good on you man we'll talk to you soon right mate thanks mate hey guys thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that we discussed during the podcast or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.